All right, I have my notes. I have my emails. Jared fucking with the sound. I can just, uh, just look at those spikes. What's the opposite of ASMR? Um, screaming into a microphone. Ah! <laughs> like that. Welcome to the Survivor Turning Back Time podcast, the only Survivor podcast that has actual good discussions about gender and sexual orientations in 2003. Yeah. I'm your host, Steve Levine, with my co-host, Jared Sheldon. Jared, were you having these conversations in 2003? I was seven. So, yes? No. Oh, come on. I will say, we shouldn't discount people... Like, people have always been fighting on the right side. They might have just been outnumbered by people fighting on the wrong side. That's fair. I'm just, I love having intricate and well-thought-out conversations like this on air. Yeah. I feel like those get buried. Yeah. But we've done it on Survivor before, but this... It it wasn't in vogue at the time to be discussing this. Now, like, three, four years down the line, sure, Mm -hmm. it starts becoming more of a conversation, but it's actually ahead of its time. I love it. I'm very happy with this episode. Me too. And I think you you really enjoyed it too. I love this season already. Yay! Jared, how, how are you doing? How was your weekend? It was good. I have a thing I do where I do a lot of stuff, especially artistically. And I'm basically taking out future loans on my energy and mental stability and focus. And then the project ends... And I have to pay those loans, those <laughs> mental loans. Shit's gotta come in. With interest. <laughs> so I usually fall down a crippling, depressing spiral, or I have no energy. So that's been most of my week. Sure. Sure. I shouldn't say good for you, but like, <laughs> you're putting in work, which is, is good. I'm like... It's the decompression phase. Yeah. Yeah. You're doing some really cool things, and... We'll see about that. You're doing things. (laughs) I also had a busy week. Just from life standpoint, I did run a 5K on Thursday. Oh, yeah. You're an idiot. I enjoyed it, other than the part that I forgot I was sick. You're a fucking idiot. (laughs) It was about mile one and a half where everything was draining down my throat. And I'm like, I can't breathe. This is dumb. I finished. I finished. With stuff draining down your throat. Damn it. I, no, I, I did finish the race. My time was not nearly as good as my seed time was. I, so they, at the start of the race, they like break you into groups. Mm-hmm. And the first group is like the fast group. Anyone running like five minute miles and two. I, apparently my seed time was fast enough to put me in the fast group. And that was a mistake. Wow. I shouldn't have been in the fast group. I should have probably been in the second group. Which was like your your average runners, people okay. people who do this and aren't gonna stop most of the way, and then the rest of the group was like thousands of people all in a single corral, and you're like, that looks awful. Glad I'm not in that. I have several reasons I don't like running. Okay, my ankles and shins hate it. Fair. They want to explode. In fact, I used to think I just couldn't do cardio, and then I started using, like, an elliptical at the gym, and I was like, oh, I absolutely can. 
my ankles are just shit. Got it. Got but the it. other thing is, I don't know if you know this about me, Steven. I kind of go hard. Yeah. That's not how you run. <laughs> That's not how, unless, I mean, sprinting, of course. Yeah, but yeah. But for a 5K, I would just probably, I have very little self-control when it comes to, like, competition. So mm -hmm. I'd be like, all right, let's fucking go. <laughs> and then, like, a half a K in, I'd be like, <laughs> oh, God. I can't do this. Someone carry me. Yeah. Yeah, that, uh, you've never been one to, uh, do things subtly. Correct. <laughs> Speaking of things that are not subtle, emails! We have so many emails and it makes me so happy. We're not gonna do them all today, we're gonna split them in half. We have 12 emails currently in our inbox and Hell that's yeah. mm, beautiful. So if you haven't heard your email, you know you've sent it already. Wait for the next episode, it's coming. So first email coming from Carl and maybe I'll do all three of Carl's emails in this section. We'll, we'll do it all at once. Carl, thank you, Carl. This we'll is the Carl it. section. Carl, from episode 13 and finale of Thailand. It's going to be a long one since I'm going to add some finale notes to this email. Beautiful. Brian mentioned skates a couple of times in his pregame interviews, too. That plus the fact in his confessional is clearly two confessionals put together. Brian is in different places after the cut. It means Brian was probably trying really hard to throw the skating analogy in there. They really <laughs> wanted him to be skating. I shouldn't say that. Brian really wanted Brian to be yeah. skating. Beautiful. Brian literally says it's just business when talking to Ted. That is a used car salesman for I'm voting you out. Yep. You would think you would take note of that. And he probably did. Ted probably had a good idea that he was going. Ted has 80 to 85% confidence in Brian. Seems like a lot, but he was also 150 to 200% happy with his wife. Oh, damn, Carl. Damn, Carl. That. that was a great one. Thank you. I love Jeff doing six swerves on the beach. Can you imagine if he crashed the car with all the survivors in it? <laughs> right? Like, that was dangerous. Honestly, that would have been the best ending to that season. No. No, no. I no. Know. Then the season wouldn't, or the series wouldn't go on yeah, any that's further. True. If that had, like, let's, okay. Butterfly effect it. Jeff fucks up, crashes a car. People don't die, but it's enough to, like, get the show canceled, let's mm -hmm. say. Survivor then becomes this, at this point in time, in 2023, like, a fun did-you-know fact about early reality TV. Or, like, a, hey, remember that show that, like, started off really strong, and then this dude assaulted a girl, and then the host crashed a car with everyone inside, and then they just stopped making it? Well, you know what they would do, right? We would, reboot it. We would have Netflix reboot of yeah, Survivor. Yeah, you're right. With a different host, because they wouldn't bring back the guy that crashed oh, the car. Oh, correct. You would absolutely not be doing that. It'd be Survivor with Nick Lachey. <laughs> I would hate that. Yeah, I would hate too. that so much. I think the reason there isn't more Ted stuff out nowadays, again, the show has always tried its best to act like Thailand just didn't happen. That's, that's for the best. Also, Gandia has done recent interviews where she talked about her trauma with Ted, but for a long time, all she had said about it was her final words where she says Evil Gandia came out, and the extended cut where she says she tried to use the incident to her advantage. Ew. I don't blame her, but I can see how that would make people think she exaggerated her reaction. Sorry, my ew is not you to her. It's also... I, I don't know. I, I wasn't in her shoes. I wasn't there, obviously. Mm -hmm. But it just seems like somebody that's been gaslit so hard to the point that they believe that they are the villain. Yeah. 
Two, the reunion segment that we talked about, yeah. which didn't do her any favors. And three, a couple of other post-show interviews from 2002 to 2003 where she said she made a bigger deal out of it than it was. Haven't seen those, but people have talked about it. Yikes. And that was it until the last couple of years. Of course, people can bury their trauma and not want the backlash that would come with being publicly open about it, especially pre-Me Too. Yeah. But when that's all Gandhi's feedback for a couple of decades, you can see how Survivor and people that cover it wouldn't have seen any value in revisiting this ugly incident from yep. one of their least popular seasons. That's fair. Yeah. And people in 2002 actually hated Clay more, so anything, they were pissed that Clay didn't get voted out. Hate Clay more than... Than, I think, Gandhi or Ted. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. In my opinion, Ted going far screwed CBS even more than the season had already screwed them. Yeah. Because his story arc in a vacuum should be the guy who gets mercilessly backstabbed by the big bad Brian, his closest ally. But when the backstabby is a sexual assaulter, it's hard to have sympathy. And then a, a an accusation of racism that we get no context or elaboration on. Yeah. Muddies it even more. Yeah. Moving on to a footnote from this one. Also, since I'm here, just listening to the Talking with T-Bird Helen interview from 2019 at work the other day, there were some interesting tidbits. Said Brian should be asked back because he changed the game by inventing the goat concept. I don't agree that he invented the goat concept. Who did, then? I don't know if... Okay, maybe he's the first one that intentionally created it. Mm -hmm. But I think that season three, like, Tom's a goat. Let's be honest. I, I see what you're saying. Yeah, you, br you bring someone who you don't think can win. Yeah, it's also not that revolutionary of a concept. Yeah. Right? Like, since season... Well, season one, nobody was playing the game. But since season two, they've had the conversation of, like, do do I bring this person that I think is more deserving or this person I think I can beat? Like, that was a conversation about Keith in season two. Yeah. I, I do agree, though. I think Brian is the first person to actively say... I can take this person who I respect or this person who's, there's no fucking way he's going to win. I'm going to take this one. All the way to the end. Yeah. He, he definitely did it earlier than anybody else. Correct. Yes. We'll reiterate that there's no way CBS would have had Brian back because he was 100% full of shit when he says he was asking for too much money. Yeah. That's fair. I don't think they would have had him back. I agree. Said the biggest reason Jeff hated the cast was because of how cagey they were at Tribal. They would very rarely give direct answers and were not at all forthcoming with information, which would frustrate Probst. I'm sure that wasn't the only reason, but I'm sure it was up there. Hilarious. Ooh, and then throw some, some ranking ideas, things that we could rank in mm. our thing that we're going to do later. General art designs. General art designs. Yep. Intro music. Yeah. Tribal council sets. Casts. Locations in general. Final immunity challenges. That would be fun. They're, right now, they're all kind of the same. They're all variations on the same thing. Yeah, fair. Buff colors. Merged tribe names. That could be... That could be a fun one. And goes on to iterate that Chewy Jai for dead last. <laughs> I think I agree on that one. Tribes by how fun they were to watch, or if you prefer how much you enjoyed the sum of their individual members. That might get a little messy, but that's fine. Yeah. Reunion hosts. <laughs> a very short list. But yeah, that's only three people. I'm in on it. <laughs> Winners, that could be fun. Biggest moments, the big I win. like winners. Individual cast rankings, which would be a lot. And yeah, honestly, that would be fun. 
but also a time commitment to do what you will. Yeah, so get throws out some good ideas. Here, I'll give you the reunion host ones now. In first, it's Jeff. In second, it's Rosie O'Donnell. In third, it's Brian Gumbel. <laughs> I agree with that list. Yeah. All right. And finally, I meant to say this before with regards to Brian. One of the things that tells me high on him being a great player is his getting Sheehan on board at the fake merge. You say he wouldn't have had success in Sukjai, yet he has Sheehan, one of the smarter players in the game, thoroughly on his side at that point. Does he, or does Clay's the one who starts that? Clay's the one that gets paired with her, and she immediately is like, oh my god, Clay, here is every, everything you can use to manipulate me, because I hate these people so fucking much. Like, I, sure, that's kind of splitting hairs, but she was running away from her tribe. Okay. It doesn't take a master strategist to be like, hey, come over here then. Like, she's knocking on the door. I'm not going to pat Brian in the back too hard for opening it. I'm there with you. I think if anyone's going to give you a gift horse, you're not going to be like, nah. Let me see those teeth, baby. <laughs> nah. Do you know where that metaphor comes from? No. Never look a gift horse in the mouth is because that's the way that they used to, maybe still do, uh, check for a horse's health. Oh, okay. Is to, like, in inspect the teeth. Nice. And so it'd basically be like somebody's giving you a horse, which I don't know why that was so common. Fucking let me look at the teeth first. And right in front of them, you're like, yeah, how healthy is this horse? Like, shut up, it's a free fucking horse. Yeah, I don't want this. I mean, I hated him as much as the next guy, but he exhibits all the traits of a great player. He manipulates very well. He was never on the block, and no one is ever mad at him until after they've been voted out. That is true. He manipulates well. I, I do think he's helped by being in a relatively weak season of people. Yeah. And by being a sociopath. Oh, absolutely. I He is cutthroat. He is a great yeah. game player. But the game never ends for him. His best trait is something we didn't get to see, which is the individual relationships he makes with everybody. Which we saw a couple of them. We saw it with Clay and Ted. Sure. But Helen talks about that being a thing. Like, he knew, because he's a sociopath, what would get somebody on his side and how to say it to them. Sure. Okay. One email from Josh. Just a couple things. It's a pretty universal opinion that Brian is perceived as a top five winner in terms of strictly gameplay. Insane. He's he's good. He's not that good. I don't want to go to bat for him, but top five seems high to me. I want to put him somewhere in the middle. He's already not even the best of the five. But we've... Rich played a better... It's hard because Rich... Both of them weren't playing against people that had strategy for the most part. Mm. Brian's people were tougher than Rich's, but Rich is a better winner, in my opinion. Well, we'll test that theory later. We will! Kind of. Kind of. We, we won't have Brian in that. Uh, I do think he is quite easily the most dominant winner the show has ever had. And I agree. I think he's up there in just, like, leading the game exactly how he wants it. The only thing that I want to push back on that is, yes, that is the result. But how many times did they they be like different people around him be like wait we have the numbers we gotta take this guy out they all knew he was going to win mm -hmm. but for some reason jan just wouldn't like like literally if you replace jan with someone who just would make a decision <laughs> ryan doesn't win the season i mean you're not wrong but i don't know like if you put i'm trying to think of somebody from season three four like if you put you switch out Jan for Nalia or Kathy or fucking, uh, what's her? Yes, of course, Kathy, the great decision maker she is. Well, that's fair. Old Tina, 
in season three, and like then you have that final five, the final three is Ted, Helen, and that other person. But Jan just decided, no, no, these old bones need to win. And I understand her decision, kind of. But like, ah, yes, I want to try to take down Brian in a in a final immunity <laughs> resiliency challenge. Yeah, I don't know. The poor decision making all around. But again, Brian had it his way the whole way. It's true. I've said this a couple times, but the cast of Borneo and Australia were legitimate celebrities. In the comparison between Sue Hawk and Helen Glover, it's no contest who was the more popular one. Sue Hawk was so popular, she got to meet George W. Bush. What? And sends a link of that. Beautiful. I forget about that. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Getting on all-star seasons also has very little to do with your merit as a game player and more to do mm -hmm. with your relationships with the audience in production. And that is a note that we should definitely talk about because it's very true. Hmm. Because you don't necessarily have to be the best survivor player to be on an all-star season mm -hmm. you don't even have to be like a good person to watch but you have to bring something to production sure you have to have an in and they have to find a way to make you interesting to watch well you also can't have 18 riches right like sure. that's a disaster of a season so you need people like the ambers of the world who are a little more subtle under the radar in her case doesn't exist and isn't a star study favorite because you need underdogs. Yeah. If everyone is the heavyweight champion, then it's nobody really sticks out. That is the entire premise of Winners at War. All right. <laughs> and finally, I'd say most bitter jurors are deserved. It's a game of managing social relationships. And if you're so hated, you often share some of the blame. I agree. Yeah. So, who am I to tell a juror that, no, you should vote for this person because they outgamed you? Doesn't work that way. Two more emails that we're going to do today. One from Tyler. Congratulations on getting through the season. Pretty confident this season will remain at the bottom of your rankings for a long time. Probably ever. Uh, judging how you feel right now, yeah, probably. Helen had a column in the Rhode Island newspaper where she covered Survivor All-Stars and related the season to her experience on the show, but the column had to be discontinued because it was still within the time frame that her contract prohibited her from talking about behind-the-scenes information from her season. Wow. That's funny. Imagine getting a cease-and-desist letter while you're doing a job, and you're like, fuck, what do I do? Cease and desist. And desist. Clay's wife passed away a few months before he did, and personally it would be kind of nice to think that grief over losing her played a role in him dying when he did, given what a misogynistic lech he was portrayed as on the season. That's the thing that happens. Yeah. I... Yeah. I don't know the inner workings of their relationship. They could have had a very happy marriage. And I th from what we saw, I feel like they did. Clay's just kind of gross. Yeah. You can have a happy marriage and also be a bad person. Yeah, people are nuanced. Yeah. I'm sure everyone else is going to mention this, but the thing that Brian supposedly told Ken about why Ted needed to go is that Vesepia just won last season and we can't... We can't have two black winners in a row? <gasps> oh no! Holy shit! I've alluded to this previously, but Brian is actually the only person from the season that didn't attend the 10-year anniversary party, and I haven't been monitoring this until now, but in 2009, there was a Where Are They Now special on TV Guide focusing on Survivor winners and other contestants that became millionaires. And for Brian, they just had a voiceover explaining the puppy situation. And the footage they used for him was clearly from the special they had done a few years before. So he's the only winner that didn't appear in that special. Wow. He might have been in jail at the time. 
Yeah, maybe. Yeah, depending on when it was. Okay, so that's insane. It also makes me wonder if Brian believed that or cared about that, mm. or if he was like, I wonder if this New York City cop's racist. Maybe. <laughs> like, maybe. <laughs> let's, let's play to that. Yeah. Running through these quick rankings for Thailand by media outlets. Entertainment Weekly, fourth worst season. Okay. Zap to it, second worst season. Okay. The Wire, sixth worst season. RHAP, third worst season in 2015. And in the and also in the 2021 update. Purple Rock Podcast, third worst season. Inside Survivor, 34th out of 40. So pretty widely regarded as... Wait, 34th out of 30? 40. I was like, how does that make sense? I mean, maybe. <laughs> it's so bad we dropped them that low. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah. And then finally, from Andrew, thank goodness we finally made it through the disaster of Thailand. <laughs> Amazon is a fairly good season with a likable cast. Here's so an far? idea for rankings. My idea is to rank either every original tribe from the seasons we've seen so far, or each of the merged tribes. Mm. So that could be fun. That could be fun. Like saying, all right, screw each game. Just these are the things to rank. Yeah. Okay. That's fun. Cool. We have six more in the hopper. We'll do that in the next episode. But thank you, everyone, for those emails. That's great. Our longest email bits. If you're not somebody who likes the email bits, I'm sorry. Our longest ones are always after a season ends. It's we have a lot to catch up on. Because that's like three episodes worth of emails all jumbled into one. Yep. It just is what it is. And you know what? If you don't like it, you can always fast forward. So, Well, what would they jump to, Stephen? The bumper! So this episode came out on February 20th of 2003. Some very interesting things in the week between these episodes. Go on. The first one is Dolly the Sheep passed away. No! The first mammal to be cloned from an adult cell dies young from progressive lung disease, age six. That's, yeah, it's not looking great for cloning, is it? No. An estimated six to 11 million people around the world take to the streets to protest against the war with Iraq. Okay. Fair. Yeah. The London Congestion Charge Scheme begins in London, England. Have you heard of this? No, I don't know what that is. I hadn't either. I looked it up before the episode. It's still a thing that exists. The London Congestion Charge is a fee charge on most cars and motor vehicles being driven within the congestion charge zone in central London between 7 a.m. and 6 p.m. Monday to Friday and between noon and 6 p.m. on Saturday and Sunday. So there's like street markings inside of the white on red sea to alert drivers that they're entering the charge zone. And they have to pay money to drive there. It's 15 euro. Wow. Yup. There's a penalty of between 65 and 195 euro levied for, or that's pounds, sorry. I was going to say, they do not use the euro. They do not. With a penalty of between 65 and 195 pounds levied for non-payment. Okay. Yeah. There's a whole bunch of nuances to it, but that's insane. And then a pyrotechnics display sets the station nightclub ablaze during a concert by rock band Great White. Kills 100 and injures over 300. Holy shit. In West Warwick, Rhode Island. This is like some triangle fire shit. Yeah. Wow. Pyrotechnics are still dangerous. They really are. And again, we had pyrotechnics on our ship. Have I talked on this podcast before about the brown M&M Van Halen thing? No, because the only thing I think about now when with uh, Eminem controversies is, are they too sexy? Oh yeah, because Tucker Carlson wants to fucking Eminem. Yeah. So, 
have you ever heard the diva rock story around like the 80s rock bands of like they won't even go on unless they have unless there's like no brown m&ms in their dressing room yes and i do know the reason why but tell the audience so that's because they had all these pyrotechnics and all that and they're touring shows crews are setting things up quickly they're sometimes using house crews that they don't know so they have a rider for every place that has very specific requirements for all this very dangerous equipment and they would sneak in a bit in there about we need uh, m&ms in the dressing room with all the brown M&M's picked out. And so they could walk in the room and immediately see they didn't read our rider. Yep. We have to check everything. It's so genius and it gets twisted or misunderstood as a, oh, these divas. Yeah, and I think that's the point, though, is they wanted them to be taking it seriously. Yeah. And to, fine, if you overreact, I don't care. As yeah. long as it gets done. Yep. Do because my safety is more important than your comfort. Yeah. I do, I do not wish to die on this stage performing for you guys. Or to have 300 people die in a nightclub fire because yeah. of it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's tough. The number one song is still All I Have by Jennifer Lopez featuring LL Cool J. And the top five movies. It's interesting. Okay. Number five, Shanghai Nights. Jackie Chan. Jackie Chan. Love Owen, that movie. Owen Wilson, too? Is that yeah, I think it's Jackie Chan, Owen Wilson. Wow. Wow. The Jungle Book 2. Chicago comes in at number three with How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days at number two. Number one, Daredevil. Oh, okay. The really bad Daredevil movie. I saw it when I was very young, and I do not remember any of it. I believe that means you're entitled to financial compensation. Oh, good. Just <laughs> Having like, to sit through that movie. Just like Facebook. <laughs> yeah it's not not a good superhero movie that was back in the day when marvel was like oh we should just sell all of our movie rights yeah sony could have bought all of marvel they probably should have glad they Duh. didn't glad they didn't but yeah who yep let's let's talk hypothetical shall we okay what because there are some bad superhero movies around that time mm-hmm had we not had the the Raimi Spider-Man trilogy, mm-hmm. would we be making Marvel movies now? Yes, because I don't think the Raimi Spider-Man trilogy is why the MCU started. Okay. I think they found lightning in a bottle to get them kicked off, and then they found a formula. But Iron Man being... Because I really Iron Man 1 is what started it all. Mm-hmm. Having a down-on-their-luck actor that is very talented but needed a second chance in mm-hmm. Robert Downey Jr. that needed that had like been to jail and had gotten over all these addictions when was willing to take a, a film that was a risk while being also incredibly talented yeah. and do, but doing it for less money and Iron Man being the right hero cuz don't I mean we also had the X-Men movies right and like people liked the X-Men movies yes but would they have had quite the same form I don't know as long as Iron Man still gets made though the Rainy Spider-Mans don't matter Okay. I'm down with that. If anything, this means we get Spider-Man in the MCU a lot sooner. Fair. Fair. All right. Moving on to the episode. Yeah, we are a Survivor podcast. Nah. Episode two, Storms. There was one storm. Storms! All right. (laughs) So, just general vibes. You seem like you really enjoyed this episode. I did. Yeah. So, first of all, I want to say, man, is this season giving me deja vu. Nothing in particular, as I've said before. I'm going to be totally honest with people on the podcast of you know what I do and don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know anything from this season, but I know the intro. Sure. 
there's some part of my brain from when I was seven years old that has like, I was like, I have seen this. Yeah. The shot of the Amazon River and all of that. Gorgeous. But yeah, no, this episode is awesome. <laughs> I, it has a lot of different plot lines. It actually has too many plot lines, which is not something we've had a problem with so no. far. I mean, think about like season five or season three, like we had, we had homophobia come up and that was an entire episode in season three. Yeah. <laughs> like that was a five minute conversation this episode. Cause like, okay, we got other shit we got to show. We got things to do, man. Yeah. People and are drowning. We probably would have focused on it more if the, uh, if the guy's tribe would have lost immunity. Fair. We needed to see more reasons why the, or for reasons for the women's votes since they're the ones that lose tribal. But yeah, no, there's, there's so much happening. These people are messy and complicated and interesting. They're interesting, Steven. Yeah, they are. There's, there's a lot of, there, there's a lot of interesting, I, I'm not going to say interesting because we've already said the word. We're going to beat interesting to death. And that is the Minnesotan, you know, I don't quite like this. It was interesting, which is not what we're doing. There's a difference between that was interesting, meaning it's a work in progress or it's different and I don't quite get it or I'm giving the benefit of the doubt. And that was interesting. I couldn't look away. Yeah. And this is interesting. I can't look away. Yeah. I'm going to point out that, yes, you have major deja vu vibes, but... You're not outright being like, I know this plot line, I know this yeah. plot line, I definitively know who wins. Because I'm watching it with you, and even when you were making guesses in our last episode, you weren't like, this is what I think it is. You said this is who I think wins, Yep. but you weren't like, I know it, it's this. Seven-year-old me had a crush on Heidi, and I remember the opening shot of the Amazon River. And yeah. like, that's it. There it is. Yep. Cool. Let's get into the episode. We open with Jabaru sleeping on the floor. And this is important because a lot of the struggles around Jabaru in this episode revolve around camp. Build a goddamn shelter! Yeah, you're four days in. Like, holy shit. You should know better, man. Come on. We'll talk about the shelter more later because it is more important later in the episode. But yeah, we really do get a tale of two cities. Mm -hmm. Tamaki is thriving. Jabaru is struggling in camp life. Yeah. In challenges, boy, is it the other way around. Yeah. Which is fascinating. It really is. We, we're we talking about water and fire is our life, and that's it. That's all we're doing. That's all we're focusing on. And we're not building these shelters. And there's a funny moment when Gene, I don't remember what's being said, but just repeats what someone else says. I think it was Dina. Oh, yeah. Dina was like, we need one person to focus on water and we fire. We need one person to focus on water. Thanks. Thanks. Thanks, Th Gene. Thanks, Gene. That's, we didn't need that. It was so good. And then we cut to Shauna. Yeah, we're, we're just not doing well here. And I bet the guys are just absolutely killing it. And they have shelter and... Yeah, it's great over there. And it is! And we cut. It's, yep, that's exactly what's happening. So, obviously, I'm not somebody that puts a lot of stock into gender roles. Yeah. However, it does seem like some of these people do and have lived their life that way. So I think that is a lens we have to look at it through. And there is a certain level. We see, we see the pros and cons of the ways that these people in their gender roles approach things as a team. The guys don't 
really communicate that much. They have le- they have a leader. They get things, or or they have leaders on specific tasks. Sure, they're not afraid to step up and take charge. They seem to collaborate very well in camp life. And then we get to the challenge, and they don't even know each other's names. Yeah. And then we get we go back to the women who are having a harder time making decisions, as Jess talked about last episode. It's just a, a different, more circular communication style where they're trying to come to a consensus, and it seems like even through day six, they haven't on how to live together. We have a lot of problems about how to live together. We get to the challenge, and they all know each other. Mm-hmm. They all know how to communicate when there is a set task for them. And they know each other's strengths and weaknesses already, even though it's day six. So it's tribe strength and com- and like views on like compatibility seen through two very different lenses. And I also, like I said at the beginning of that that spiel, that's that those are those gender roles that they have set for themselves that I don't think is there's nothing like natural about it. It's not like men are born a specific way and women are born a specific way, but the the society which has molded them to think that way. Yeah, I, and I, I don't think it's that the men got their shelter up because they're better builders or better no. anything. I think it literally just comes down to leadership. And, and decision-making. Decision-making yeah. and being able to say, this is what we need, this is what we need right now, but they just don't do that. And that's part of the problem with stereotypes in general, but and especially gender stereotypes. All stereotypes come from a kernel of truth or something that was a truth at one point and then gets taken in a direction. Yeah. And the difficulty comes when you end up going, oh, that's how it naturally is. Sure. Rather than, oh, that is the incentive structure society has created for these people that match these specific stereotypes. Yeah, like every white man in his 20s and 30s needs a podcast. Moving on! (laughs) The guys have a great camp. They have figured out how to use the maniac flour uh, to make these maniac cakes. And I can't say it right. Maniac. Maniac? Maniac cakes. No. They're making these cakes, and they look like actual food, as opposed to what the, the women are cooking, which is just burned, crispy something. It's bad. It is bad. It's bad, man. Oof. They are out net fishing, and nothing is coming from the net fishing. I I don't know. Sometimes I feel like Survivor gives them tools to fish, knowing that it's going to fail. <laughs> well, th- okay, Fishing is interesting in this episode because Mm -hmm. we'll get to it, but the women win the bait. So the men go to like the deepest part of the river and start randomly throwing out this net. Yeah. And not hitting anything. Yep. And the women take the bait and go to this tiny part of a stream. And I'm like, why? Y'all just need to be in the other location. It's like, (laughs) you go into the river and fish with your bait and go to the stream where you can see the fish and throw it on the fish. Yeah, they did show the the fish in the river. So I'm not... That was with the women fishing with the bait, though. Yeah. Yeah, so like that's where you need to be net fishing versus use your pole in the river to get bigger fish. I agree on the net fishing. I think the net fishing needs to be used in the river area. But I don't know. I think that... The chunks of bait were too big for the fish they had in that part of the river. That's fair. You can always make them smaller, though. Yeah. Anyway, they're out net fishing. They look up and they're like, shit, it looks like it's about to come down. And it does. So they get back to camp and they're all dry. And we smash cut to the women. Oh, Oh, no. no. (laughs) They 
are not prepared for this at all. They're just standing around in their rain gear and just everyone is miserable. Yeah. No one's having a good time. It doesn't look like it gets any better next episode. We get into the challenge, the reward challenge, our first reward challenge. And it's one that we've seen before, but with a new twist. They didn't hide the pieces from one tribe? It's the blindfold challenge. So we have one caller, and everyone else is tied together going to get pieces to a puzzle. Hey, Survivor. Yeah. I'm, survivor. I will be Survivor in yeah. this scenario. Hey, uh, what the fuck was Chrissy supposed to do if she had to play? <laughs> we did have a conversation about that. I guess... Hold on to somebody? Yeah. Be, be behind, like, holding on to their waist or shoulders or something. What? You can't, you can't bring on your first deaf contestant and then make a fucking early challenge a blindfold challenge. That does seem like a gross oversight. Or something designed to, like, put her in a bad place. Maybe. I think with how Jeff... Now, Jeff's not a producer yet, so I guess he doesn't have control of that kind of uh-huh. stuff. I think the producers, why would you bring on somebody with a disability just to set them back? Like, that doesn't make a lot of sense from a storytelling perspective. It doesn't make a lot of sense from a production perspective. And Jeff, like, goes to bat for her in Tribal. Mm -hmm. So I, maybe, Survivor's done shitty things, clearly, but it just seems like like an oversight. Or, like, they plan, like, it's two separate teams that didn't communicate, right? Mm -hmm. Like, there's a casting team. And there's a, like, set-building team that did not talk to each other. So, I want to say that I think we're getting into the gross era of reality TV. Oh, no. In that, I don't know that Survivor does do this. And people have realized that drama and, like, drama provides compelling stories. And we'll get back to that in this episode. Yeah. There, there is a difference, though, between drama and not being able to complete the challenge that y- you are given. I agree, but I don't think Survivor knows that yet. That is fair. So, hold on to that. Anyway, Christy sits out, as she should. Yes. They are playing for, a, as we stated before, a jar of fish bait, which is just, like, guts. It's a weird reward. It is a weird reward. Usually they give them fishing equipment. Yeah, and they should at yeah. least have, like, hey... Here's a nice pole. Here's a spear. Here's the bait to go with it. Yeah. That seems more appropriate, but now they're just like, here's a... I got a jar of bait. (laughs) I got a jar of bait. I got a jar of bait. So we start the challenge, and our two callers are Butch and Joanna. Joanna's really good at this. Of course Joanna's really good at this. Joanna has been very vocal this entire time. Has an inability to shut the fuck up. (laughs) And Butch, on the other hand, not so great. As I mentioned, doesn't know anyone's name. Yeah. It's day four. Like, to be a caller... You have to be able to, like, be clear, make smart decisions. Hey, but if, more if, importantly, you need to be able to say their name. Which I will also say, in his defense, the guys were fucking dinguses. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And pulled their buff, like, all the way down to their chin. Like, cover a lot of them covered their whole ass face with the buff instead of just their eyes. That does make it a little harder, but... 
You moron! Don't sign up to be the caller if you don't know who everyone is! Good point. There are seven of you! Yeah. Just shut the fuck up! This this episode is a lot of people that need to know when to shut the fuck up. No. It makes great TV when they don't. <laughs> so, Jabaru gets way out in front. Yeah. Like, I forget what it was when Jeff said it. There's a lot of pieces. It was something like... It was like 17 to, to 28 or yeah. something like that. Yeah. Anyway, like, it it looks like an avalanche win for the women. And then the puzzle happened, and it seems a little closer than it should have been. Yeah, I think it wasn't that close, though. I think the puzzle just took a little bit to put together. The guys wasn't really that close to being done. No, it wasn't close to being done, but they definitely had the center bit, like, done and mm-hmm. there. So, it was closer than I thought it should be. Yep, I would agree. Okay. Anyway, Jabber wins, Jabber wins the bait. We don't see a whole lot of that other than <laughs> other than a single fish that was caught, brought up onto the shore, and then it bounces right back into the river. <laughs> I must go. My people need me. It was really funny. So far, I have noticed a theme with the first six seasons of Survivor. Go on. They really love to edit their seasons as underdog stories. Ooh. And regardless of whether the content lends itself to that or not, this season it does. Because of dumb gender stereotypes, the women came in as underdogs. Mm-hmm. And they cannot put a camp together to save their life. Mm-hmm. That is real. The camp is a fucking disaster. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But they're winning all the challenges. Yeah. So they have this this neat underdog story, and it lends itself to that. Whereas Thailand, they also try to make an underdog story, except all of them were unlikable and had the power pretty quickly. Like, mm-hmm. Before the merge, even, they were then in the driver's seat and nothing ever changed. They try to do a little bit of that with even season four. Like, we saw all of the underdog tribe that kept losing challenges, and then one of them comes back and wins the game. So, I'm sure that will change. We'll get a more, we'll, like, David versus Goliath seasons, including a literal David versus Goliath season. Yeah. The one season I know. When the story lends itself to that, but right now, every season is that. At least since season three. Yeah, three through six, whether it should be or not. I see what you're saying. Yeah, there's there's a lot to lend itself to that. Yeah. We we get another little pity party at, at the guy's camp. Of, I'm not used to losing to women. You could have just stopped it at accustomed to losing. Man. We've heard people have that feel before of like, hey, losing's hard and I'm not, it, I'm not taking it well. But no, it's got to, I'm a big man and I can't... I don't want to lose to women. I'm Stuong, the Stuongest man. He's having big feelings. Yeah. Seven guys don't want to lose to a bunch of goyles. Bun- a bunch of goyles. Bunch of goyles. Yeah. We show the burnt maniac. We show the, I guess, maggots in the maniac flower. I was like, Janet, what are you doing here? Janet, you need to go. Gene catches the fish and loses it. And then we get... A little snippet of the the guy's camp of all is not well and, and good in the guy's camp. Yeah. And they start off by saying, you know, Roger said some shit. Rob is like, I needed to figure out how to turn the tribe on Roger. And I think I found it. And I didn't have to do anything. He did it himself. Yeah. And I was like, oh God, they're going to try. Of course, they're going to try to go after Roger. And then. And then. And then Roger goes on. Like, one of the most homophobic rants that we've seen on Survivor so far. Oh, yeah. It's bad. Like, even... Think about Frank. Even Frank was like, yeah, 
they make me like uh, gay people make me uncomfortable. Yeah. But you know, each person like he had a, he had a level of nuance of like each individual person that is gay, whatever gayness is wrong, which obviously bigoted, terrible. Yeah. But <laughs> Roger goes so much farther. He's like the act, and I don't think is anyone on the tribe even gay. Like, how did this come up? I don't know how it came up because they don't show us that. They don't yeah. show any of the lead up to it. It's all just mid conversation. I don't think that it's right. I don't think that they should be allowed to get married. Somebody probably made a joke. Yeah, it's an all guy tribe. It's it's wild. It's so unhinged. She's like. Uh, it's it's wrong. It's against the natural order, which also your bigotry is not correct. There are plenty of animals have gay sex in the animal kingdom. That's true. Alex, though, Alex became my favorite person on the guy tribe. Did you expect this out of Alex? I didn't know anything about Alex. Sure. So I, I, I didn't. What I'll say is I didn't expect it out of any of them. I didn't expect such a nuanced, almost vulnerable reaction. And like... He almost meets him, like, he listens to him. Yeah. And then just basically tells him why he's stupid. Yeah. Hey, I hear what you're saying. You're wrong. There's a lot of wisdom in it. I think at one point, Roger's like, well, I'm not going to change your mind. You're not going to change mine. And Alex's I'm like, not I'm, to change your I'm mind. not trying to change your mind. Yeah. Like, the subtext of that is, I'm defending my friends. And defending like, people who aren't here to be, defend themselves. Yeah. Roger goes on one of the oldest and classics of, of homophobic grants, which is the... Uh, sex is for procreation. And Alex is like, so you've only had sex two times in your life? Yeah. To, to, for your two children, right? And he's like, well, no, not necessarily. He's like, well, then those other times weren't for procreation. Yeah. So sex is not just for procreation. And I was like, drop the fucking mic, Alex. He is heavy hitting with these facts, and it's beautiful. There are things that you and I say on this mic that in 10 years will age poorly. Oh, sure. There's things I say that age poorly in like a week. But I mean, like, eventually... Progress will pass us by and we will have to learn more. Good. That's how good. That's how it works. In with that in mind, I'm starting to think that the that the editors of Survivor are a little more progressive than I give them credit for. Because they don't have to leave this kind of stuff in. They didn't have to, but they did. But they did. Yeah. I loved it. Not all of them, but somebody who's making decisions wants that argument to be on the air. Yeah. And it doesn't it doesn't tell any of the story of this episode. Maybe it is relevant in an episode or two. Maybe Alex you know, comes after Roger with Rob or something. But even then, we didn't have to see it. So I, that's good on them. Good on them. And good for Alex, the uh, ally of the year, 2003. <laughs> ally! <laughs> you got it, dude. Fun fact. Do you know one of the uh, scientists have had a conversation about, like, what is, is there an evolutionary advantage to homosexuality? Mm-hmm. Have you heard of one of the theories of why there is an evolutionary advantage? No. I believe it's called the gay uncle theory. Basically that it is helpful to communities. Like if you think about like the beginning of human civilization starting of agriculture settling down, childbirth is very dangerous. Yeah. And it is very important to have somebody that doesn't have children of their own that can look after children in the event of something going mm. wrong with uh, with other people in their family that's so that you don't end up with a lion king problem of like all right kill the kid because he's a threat to me it's like no that i'm I'm not gonna have my own kids so that kid's mine i love it it's fascinating 
I weirdly fit into it, but I am not gay. So. That's called the millennial uncle theory. That's yeah, fair. <laughs> I'm, I'm down with that. Anyway, we flip over to the other camp, and we're in the middle of the night, and we're having conversations really, really late at night, where Joanna is stating a very strong hatred for the immunity idol. I mean, girl, same. <laughs> like, the first thing I wrote down was I was like, well, yeah, of course the person of color on the tribe doesn't like the horrible, horrible racist immunity idol. Wait a minute. <laughs> Hold on, wait. Why do you hate it, Joanna? Why, why do you not like this immunity idol? Because it is a false idol, and it is a blasphemous take on God. She did the wrong math, but got the right answer. <laughs> Does that make sense? Just for me. <laughs> yeah, so she is incredibly religious and is just saying that this is a false idol and if if y'all are good jesus fearing christians you should hate that thing and we should never win it again okay this episode was made for me to just rant oh my god okay so as someone who was raised in a very fundamentalist household you're a fucking idiot joanna (laughs) are you worshiping the immunity idol like it's a god is anyone on the tribe doing that i would hope not no, the the false idol thing is literally if you're gonna if you believe in that if you believe in that part of the Bible and you and you you know you're against false idols, fine. But that's literally not what that is. Just because it has the name idol is uh, is the fact that is Kelly Clarkson a, a false idol? American she was idol. an American idol. <gasps> is that the same thing? Yes. Like it doesn't make any fucking sense because this is not supposed to be like a oh yes this is the thing we now worship. It is literally a tool in the game that is. A, a, a trinket. It is a fucking trinket. It's a horrible racist trinket. Yes. But it's a trinket. It is just not, nobody is being like, that, that's my god. There it is. Insane. I can picture being in church and getting that talk. About oh, yeah. The Pokemons are the devil. Yeah. American Idol is the devil. D- Survivor is the devil. D&D is satanic. Like, this is all of that shit again. And I'm like, oh my god. Holy shit, she's yeah. just going in on it. And she stays up all night talking about this to the point where the people are like, can you can you, like, can you talk about it softer? And she's like, no! And she doesn't give an inch. Nah. Like, listen, I get it. I'll die on any hill. <laughs> what are you dying on that hill for? Hey, everybody has their thing. Some people should have other things. It's, I agree. Anyway, we wake up in the morning, and Christy wants to know what was going on, because clearly nobody slept very well last night, so what, what's going on? And who was it? Was it Jean? I think it was Jean. I think it's Jean. Who tells her, yeah, you know what? Well, somebody, so I think it is Jean, has a deal with Christy, where Christy basically approached her a couple days before and was like, hey, whatever happens at night, can you tell me about it the yeah. next day? And Jean's like, yeah, sure. And clearly Jean doesn't love this arrangement. Like, it makes her a little uncomfortable, which I can understand to a certain extent because this is the position you put yourself in, right? You are now rehashing what happened the night before in a way that can be interpreted like you're taking a side regardless of how you actually feel about it. Yep. That is tricky. They should just tell Christy as a tribe what happened or loop her into the conversation. Yeah. It'd be nice. Nope. And... In this conversation where Jean's like, hey, Joanna was talking about how the immunity idol is a false idol and doesn't want it in our camp, doesn't want it in our shelter. And Christy was like, that's stupid. 
as we did the same and Joanna overhears this and that's a problem because then Joanna and Christy have at it uh-huh. right there and you're like oh no this isn't great I, I don't know do you have any breakdown of this I just wrote out I love Christy I mean she doesn't she holds her ground she doesn't take the shit and like like it's saying it's stupid like a little insensitive yeah I guess of course. it is stupid I, I, it is stupid. And also, you signed up for a game where you knew that it was called an immunity idol. It's been on for five seasons sure already. Has. And hey, um, Gene, maybe take Christy a little farther away from the camp if you're gonna if you're gonna do this debrief. Uh, it's it's not like Christy is able to hear how loud she's being, right? Yeah. Like, if it was you or I that was pulled aside, like this is what happened last night. Like we were gone from the camp, or whatever. We'd go, well, that's fucking stupid. We'd whisper it. I don't... Christy can't hear her own voice. She does not know if she's whispering. You can't just take her three feet from the camp. Yeah. This is Jean's fault, is what I'm saying. Okay. I'm down with that. Anyway. I, I like Jean. I was just like, it's stupid. Yeah. It's stupid. It was just a, a big blow up and people's hands got in people's faces. Yeah. That was the, the gist of it. Like, get your hand on my face. Yeah, it was very reminiscent of the... The finger wag? Yeah. Yeah. I will wave my finger wherever I want. It was kind of it was kind of petty, stupid fight that wasn't really about the things it was about, right? Mm-hmm. Like, at least not from Christy's point of view. From Christy's side, it's probably more about feeling excluded and not feeling like part of the tribe than getting a hand put in her face and like yeah. feeling disrespected. For Joanna, it's probably about the idol. Yeah. The tagline of this fight, though, you won't be hurt anymore if you just get out of my face. Joanna said to Christy. Okay. All right. <laughs> Weird. Whatever that means. And then we have some food drama. So it's been raining. Everyone put their stuff in the big box, the big crate that they came with on the first day. And we open it up. We start going through it. And there's a granola bar wrapper at the bottom. It's a full granola bar. It's a full granola bar, yes. So then we have, we suddenly shift into a murder mystery of who done it? And the GA is immediately like, I'm gonna cross-examine. I'm gonna I'm gonna we're gonna get to the bottom of this. Dun, 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 they put more work into this investigation than they did their shelter over the past six days. <laughs> You're not wrong. <laughs> the, everyone is turning over like we're interrogating everyone, we're saying, Alright, who who did it? Fess up. Like, we won't be mad. Of course we're gonna be mad. Of course. And like, would the show kick them off? I mean, I don't know. Probably not. Maybe it's one of things like, you can't bring it, but if you get it there, what are we going to do? Would you like spoilers now or later? Oh. Uh, for this episode? Yes. Let's hold it till later. Okay. Cool. I'm going to hold it till later then. We'll hold it till the end of the episode. Okay. Anyway, that's... It's it comes up and it continues to come up for the rest of the episode. Yeah. So this is clearly more than just a... All right, fess up. We'll we'll get it out of the way. They burn it in the fire yeah. to essentially say no one's having this. We're playing by the rules, which is interesting. There there is a level of like chivalry and fairness that the women play by. Mm-hmm. The men might play by it too. We haven't seen like anything like this come up. That I think might also be part of the reason why Christy does not get voted off this episode. Mm. Okay, cool. Moving on to the immunity challenge, we are exploring, and I'm using survivor's words here, an 
Indian Amazonian village. Uh, Amazonian Indian. Amazonian Indian. Okay. That's not the term anymore. I don't believe it would be, no. No. Native Amazonians, native peoples. Yeah. Like, there are better ways to say this. Thank you. Anyway, this is a a replica of a village. I don't think anybody actually lived there. I don't think so either. It looked like when you go to, like, one of those old pioneer towns. Yeah. Like, it was very, like... Oh, yeah, so we lay out the papayas, like, side by side by side by side in, like, everything perfect was, distance. Everything was too perfect. It's a diorama. Yeah. And that's really what it was, because it's a memory game, is what we're playing here. Jeff's like, hey, you get two minutes, go explore this village, and think about things, because I'm going to ask you questions. So, I need to challenge myself a little bit on this. Sometimes bad challenges are just bad challenges. Mm-hmm. This is a bad challenge. But if the guys had won the first two challenges, I might have been like, did they pivot to a mental challenge because the women were losing the physical challenges? And I don't think that's what happened, obviously, because, but I, like, sometimes they just make bad challenges and there's not a, like, production reason behind it. I don't dislike this challenge. Really? I I really don't. I think they could have been more specific with these things, like saying, hey, I'm going to ask you questions about this. I'm going to ask you... Yeah, like, counting the fucking rungs on the ladder, like, that does nothing for me. I think what they should have done is save this for an individual challenge where you're asking these questions and you have to get every single one right. Mm. And if you get out, or you have, like, lives or something. Sure. And once you get enough wrong, then you're out. Yeah, or, like, the torch challenge last season. Yeah. I think that this is fundamentally interesting I and like dif- a, a good enough difficulty that you can make something fun out of it. It just feels like a worse version of every trivia challenge we've seen. Like, I like the ones where they're actually asking them questions about stuff in their survivor handbook. Mm-hmm. Stuff about living off the land. Stuff about the people that live there. Stuff about that feels important to the setting. Not just count the papayas in this hut. Do it. Count them. Uh, yeah. It's a very pretty challenge, and they're getting so much better at the cinematography for yes. it. But I just... It it just feels unspecific. Yeah, it's underbaked. Yeah. Cool. I'll agree to disagree. That's fair. Anyway, some highlights of it. Rungs on the ladder. How many pigs are in the, the, the pig pen? What was in the canoe? Tell me. A spear and a rope. Yeah, and the one that seemed to be the most difficult was how many... Maniac roots were skinned. Yeah, which one? Like, they both guessed they one. They both guessed so one. So that's kind of crazy to me. Yeah. Because they were like in a group together, so it's clearly more than one. Yeah, Tombaki got ahead in this challenge pretty early and they never looked back. Yeah. It, it wasn't close. Like, they tried to make it seem close, but it wasn't close. I also think part of the problem is making it a first... Or making it out of 10 instead of first to a number. I agree. Kind of loses the suspense. Yeah. And everyone only got... Well, most people only got one. Yeah. So then weirdly, like, you were still going in order. Yeah. People should have at least gotten two. Yeah. If you're going by, oh, here's our set number. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What was really funny is at the end, Jeff's like, hey, ladies, I'm gonna see you at Tribal... And you, Shauna, even though you did not participate in this challenge, you too are going to be a tribal. You're like, that was weirdly specific. Weirdly specific. We didn't, just, <laughs> we didn't need that. Just like, y'all are going and fuck Shauna in particular. I feel like we we were at an understanding that Shauna would also be there. She already has a vote. 
Oh, One so vote on Shauna. I, Jeff, am voting for Shauna. Je Jeff, you can't do that. <laughs> Jeff, no. <laughs> it was good. It was a good time. And then, so we're headed back to camp, and you're like, all right, now's the time to strategize. Now's the time to suck up to people, right? Like, you should make some friends. Mm -hmm. Christy does not do that. Yeah. Christy then goes into building shelter frustration mode and wants this shelter done. Is sick of being wet, sick of being on the floor. Let me build these. Let me go get some palm fronds. And is frustrated that other people are not doing it at her pace so or at the same time. This is one of those times where I think someone has a has a meltdown or a blow up or whatever. Mm -hmm. But what they're having a meltdown about is, is not what is wrong. I agree. And I don't think it's a coincidence that this happens after they're supposed to be going to tribal. Yeah. I think... Before it, they're going to travel. Oh, yeah, yeah. Sorry, after they lose the challenge. Christy feels like her back against the wall. She feels excluded. She feels like she is obviously the one going home. Mm -hmm. And I think this is... She's trying to keep, take control of, like, the one thing she can have control of and is still being ostracized and is just mad. Yeah. Yeah. And you know what would help this situation? Communication. Saying that... Yeah. Which I don't, I mean, I don't blame her. I, um, it's an incredibly vulnerable thing to do, especially when it is the reason you are being ostracized is something that you can't help and yeah. something that is a, a, a disability or something that you, it's, it's going to be there. There's no fixing it, right? Like if you just communicate badly with the tribe, you can work on your chemistry, but the, if, if the problem, well, none of them would outwardly say it. If the problem is you are deaf and hard to communicate with, that's not changing. Yeah. It, it's a tough situation, and nobody handles it very well. Like, yeah. Christy doesn't handle it well. Dina doesn't handle it very well. No, and and I did write down this point. It's like, Christy, I know you feel included, but you cannot act like this if yeah. you want to stay around. Yep, I agree. And Janet makes one last dish of, I didn't bring the granola bar. It wasn't me. Even though Gene clearly thinks it's me, it wasn't me. I didn't bring it. And that's what you got to say, right? Whether you brought it or not, being like, hey, vote me out if you got to vote me out, but... Do it because I'm not fit for the game, like I clearly am not. Not because you think I brought a granola bar. And it's clearly gotten back to her that her name's being thrown around and she's being accused. Oh, yeah. I mean, Jean is not very subtle about it. And I thought Jean was, like, from the start, Jean seems pretty, like, Janet, like, rah-rah, you do it. Or, like, at least trying to help. Sure. But no, it doesn't doesn't work that way. Anyway, we get to tribal, and this is a very emotional tribal. Yeah. Like, a lot being thrown around. Christy has a full-on, like, I'm really struggling here, and it feels like I am on the outside. This speech saved her. 1,000%. Because if you just have a blow-up like that at camp, and go in and you're like, people aren't helping me, blah, 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 and then, like, you're going home. Mm. May maybe not. Maybe Janet was always going home. I, I don't know, I can't, I wasn't inside the head of them, but from a, from an outside perspective, you have to give the context for that, for things to get better, or potentially for you to even stick around. I agree. And I think her saying that, and Jeff navigated it really well, props to Jeff, because he brought them, it started getting, uh, I think it was Jenna, is she this swimsuit model? Yes. Yeah. Jenna started getting... No, no, it's not that. It's just that she, it doesn't, she's accusing us of not working, we work. And then Jeff bringing them back to, okay, but 
she said she feels excluded. Do you think there's merit in that? And getting them to focus on the issue and not the the frosting around the issue. Yeah. And that's the part where I think Jet has a little bit of the inside knowledge where Christy blatantly says that to us, not to No, she everyone. said it to them in Tribal. Does she? That yeah. Jenna is excluding her? Oh, not that Jenna. But Jenna's the one who, who, who's shaking her head no and, and speaks up. Sure. So, but yes, you're right. He probably has an inside knowledge as well. Yeah. Okay. Any, anything else you want to pull from that Tribal? No, it was just a really... It was a really good tribal clearly these women are not talking strategy yeah by the votes and neither are the men to be fair like neither side is worrying about strategy at this point this merge is gonna be fucking fascinating hmm. okay well janet obviously does not come back yeah and the votes are oh i didn't count the votes at the end is that three for janet or four for janet i believe it's four for janet and four other so okay so it was four for janet one for christy Look up the vote counts because these are. Sure. I think that these are important. Oh wait, does Jenna also vote for Christy? No, Christy oh. only has one. Wow. Okay. No, I did that wrong. So it was there were five votes for Janet. Oh wow. Okay. And then Christy for Jenna, Joanna for Christy, and Janet voted for Jean. <laughs> yeah, for that's the, right. The granola bar stuff. For accusing her of the granola bar. Yeah, that's fascinating, and I wonder what the ramifications of Christy voting for Jenna will be because Jenna didn't vote for Christy. I see what you're saying. Yeah. Interesting. And also Joanna's probably the next woman to go home, right? Like unless something radically changes or Christy has another meltdown. Joanna's got to be the next woman <laughs> going home. I'm not going to say anything. I'll never tell. Anyway, Jenna doesn't come back. Shocking. I know, right? I, okay, wait, I do want to talk about her after show exit speech. Okay. Fucking gold. Okay, tell me more. <laughs> the, what was it? Talking about basically like being like, I'm middle-aged. I think I did okay. For any of you middle-aged women out there that are think that are having a midlife crisis, uh, maybe like dye your hair or something yeah. instead. Basically being like, I should not have applied. And there is a value in knowing yourself. Don't fucking do this. Yeah. Yeah. That's fair. For the record, and this is widely regarded as the truth, Janet did not bring the granola bar. <gasps> okay. Was it Jean? No matter how many times she pleaded with her, her tribe mates, she was not responsible for the granola wrapper at the bottom of the supplies barrel. The theory out there is that it was a plant by production. Really? Yes. Because apparently there was also one at the guys' camp. Interesting. But it didn't play in a way that it did at the female camp. So... That's dirty. It is dirty. And I don't... This is what I said before when I'm like, uh, Survivor got a little too... I don't like that. A little too big for the britches. Shouldn't have done that. And it wasn't like supposed to be part of their rations then it wasn't like something that was supposed to be in the box and it's like yep you get a granola bar each of you gets a granola bar i don't believe so or if they it was they did not tell them that's true i believe it just kind of showed up i hate that i also hate that and i don't think that should be involved in the game at all do you think janet still goes home yes yeah me too <laughs> yes i don't think it had anything to do like i don't think it would have saved her yeah but it, they saw mm. the Kel drama and were like, what if we just forced that? Yeah. 
So Janet says, the edit I got in the show makes my blood boil. Almost declined going to the finale after seeing how I was portrayed. Whoa. Even some of my family members thought I snuck the granola bar after seeing how they took a scene of one day and edited it to another day, making me look guilty. What did they, what, what about it made her look guilty? I don't know exactly to what she's referring to, but... Yeah, because I didn't come across with the impression that she was guilty. I came across the impression that Jean thought she was guilty. Yeah. Which, okay, I don't, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. And, like, she went back to doing her thing. She, she spoke at schools after this, and... Being around kids was her fa- Kids really like Survivor. It's one of the few shows on TV the family can actually watch together. Disagree about that. But Strongly right. disagree about that. Yeah. Also did a segment on our local CBS station the morning after Consequent Survivors and reviewed the show. Went back to college to further my nursing education and resumed my role as a part-time RN and full-time wife, mom, and now grandma. Cool. She's no longer a homemaker. Well, she still is. She says she's a full-time wife, mom, and grandmother, so. Yeah. Uh, here's one thing that it highlights in the, like, tagline of this article. What's something that will blow fans' mind that happened out there that you, in the season that never made a TV? The fact that a tribe of all women was given condoms in the first aid kit. <laughs> a lot of condoms. Christy and I sat out one night on Jaguar Watch, and I couldn't stop laughing as she put them on her blistered feet for protection. That's hilarious. It is. I mean, admittedly, they're going to merge at some point, right? So you'd rather have and not need than need and not have. Yeah. But it just reminds me of the the story from NASA, the first time they sent a woman into space, and they're like, for like a week, and it was like, is 500 tampons enough? No. Give us more. <laughs> if the guy's tribe didn't have condoms, I'd be like, what the fuck? <laughs> Okay, we've we've gone well over time, but any who is your protagonist of the episode? Uh, it's Christy. I yeah. think yeah. Even though she doesn't go home, and she doesn't vote for the person that goes home, yeah, she is kind of the one that drives the story. I agree. Yep. Cool. Any final thoughts? This season's gonna be fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Don't plant granola bars. Yeah, that's some shit. I don't like that. Gross. We know what I do like. A bumper! That'll do it for this episode of the Survivor Turning Back Time podcast. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for the emails. Jared has to say something. I forgot to say how Janet would do on a future season. Oh. Bad. She wouldn't apply. <laughs> Bad. Don't do it. I, I, yeah, no. I, I can't imagine a world in which Janet is ever not the first boot of her tribe. Or, fair. like, the in the first three votes of her tribe. Yeah. That's fair. I'm with you on that one. She was like, she got there day one and was like, guys, this is hard. And they're like, yeah. Do this. yeah, we know it's hard. That was the point. We all, have you seen the show? We signed up for this. Yeah. Yeah. Poor Janet. Poor Janet. Okay. Well, anything else? What would you like to promote? I got it. I started playing a new game. Hmm. Apparently most everything I promote is video games. Sure. Uh, it's called War Tales. It is really good. It just got out of early access in April. I didn't hear about it till just like a couple days ago. It is... Graphically, it's nothing impressive. And the world looks kind of... It's a fantasy game. The world looks kind of very stock, low fantasy. Man, is it good. Basically, you're, you are starting an adventuring party. It's very D&D-esque. You have a few scenarios you can pick from, people you can pick from, all that. And then explore the world. 
Mm. And it's uh, top down, like really zoomed out. There's survival mechanics as far as like there's, I don't like crafting, but the crafting and it's really good. I don't like survival mechanics, but the survival mechanics are really good because you have to like feed and pay your mercenaries. Like you're starting a mercenary company and the battle is very much like banner saga, fire emblem. The story is limited, but there's the story kind of changes every time based on what you're doing in the world. Like the, the story is built from the company that you build and how the different events affect them. There's not like a over, like a, a really strong through narrative, but I just can't put it down. Okay. So if that, if, if you like tactical games with hard combat and love exploration and like natural story building, it is great. Nice. Cool. I'm going to promote, if you're listening to this in the first couple days, it's out Monday, Tuesday, even Wednesday, the finale of season 44 is coming up this Wednesday. And I really like the storytelling of what's going on. I felt like the last episode was a little heavy-handed, the storytelling, but it got the effect out of me of what they wanted it to be. For low, low spoilers on that one. But I am really excited to see who wins. I think there are some really good candidates for winners, and then there's one person that I'm like, I don't know. So, hold that. For my co-host Jared, this is Steven. For my host Steven, this is Jared. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.